This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is a very special guest, a very busy guy, an important guy. It's Tan Tai, and he is the Chief Information Security Officer of Constellis, C-O-N-S-T-E-L-L-I-S.com. We'll find out if there's job openings because that's important in cyber. And what Constellus does is they actually protect physical infrastructure. They do training, including canines, which we all love, and law enforcement and military. So this is a big, important government contractor, and we are honored to have Tan sitting in the hot seat today. Tan, welcome. Thank you. So you and I have talked about some of the issues in compliance. What's going on with uh, the need not only to comply for government regulations and international regulations, but is it, I must comply, uh, I have to comply? How serious is compliance today? Well, in the federal space, compliance is being taken very seriously. They've come out, I mean, this has been out for a long time, but there's never been like, you must follow this. But uh, in recent years with CMMC, uh, they're saying you have to, and we will not just uh, audit you, we will send our auditors, you will give us credentials, and we will validate what you're saying. And so it's it's definitely taking this a step uh, beyond what it used to be, where they'll you know accept uh, evidence that, but now they're finding the evidence themselves. And we see this not just in the U.S. but over in Europe with Cyber Essentials, where you know if you have legacy or unsupported operating system, it's an automatic fail. There's no they don't go beyond that. This is a major shift. It used to be, you know, the PCI compliance checkbox, right? You check all the boxes, and then that got serious. And, you know, you've got GLBA and HIPAA and all these different uh, compliance regulations. Uh, the, the FDIC, they send auditors at the banks. They've been doing it for years, but it used to be just asking questions or having a checklist. You're saying they're getting hands-on now? Yeah, especially in the in the U.S. federal space. They are getting hands-on uh, to, to not just accept your word. Uh, or they, they themselves will uh, come in. Like I said, they'll give you, you have to provide them with accounts. But they, they even go beyond that, making sure that everyone on that floor understands the policy. So they'll be interviewing people uh, in the office and say, hey, what, tell me about your incident response plan. And, you know, and if that person's not able to, they're like, well, you're not communicating your incident response plan. So when you're in an incident, you're going to fumble. It's unbelievable, but it's also very good uh, to make me feel accountable, right? So you really have to take your numbers seriously and the data. So when you find risk or threats or patches or misconfigurations, you're really on top of it, especially ahead of the auditors, but just for your own business purposes for business continuity. Yeah, you know, and that's the approach we're taking, right? We understand that Patches will always come out, you know, weekly, monthly. So we take a step back and say, how do we ensure we do this with the least amount of effort? Because it can be time consuming. So there we lie, rely on the people, of course, make sure we have a good process that everyone understands. And then we pick the right technology to, to fit our situation. So we, we, we don't just say, oh, okay, this month we're through, kind of take a seat back. We're looking at the actual overall program. How do we patch to so we have confidence 
when the auditors come at it. Uh, they generally announce it, but let's assume they come at any time that we're prepared to give a really good answer. So Tan, you're dealing with regulators more frequently now. They're hands-on, they're, they're, they're looking for things. Uh, you have to be one step ahead of them and more proactive, but also for your own business continuity to help the company grow and do its job and do its things and protect critical infrastructure. You have to take it seriously every day, don't you? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, we, we always have to be ready. We, 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 our customers ask for full transparency, um, meaning we have to give them very specific reports in very specific formats every month. And they review these reports and if they see anything they don't like, they will open up an issue with us and expect it to be fixed by the next time we deliver that report. Um, so our customers are really um, taking uh, a vested interest in this. And it, it, you know, it's not just an interest, it's whether we will they will continue to do business with us. So um, security is real and compliance is really creeping into whether is a business enabler that's actually a good thing because I'm tired of the breaches. I'm tired of the data theft. I'm sure you are in the consumer world in the banking world. You know, we've lost, I believe we're over a uh, trillion dollars in cybercrime worldwide. It's bigger than drug crime. And they're after, you know, people personally, they're after your executives and their personal accounts. And then they want to do business email compromise and get into the company and get into the records. So you really have a full-time job and I'm curious, uh, are there tools or techniques that you recommend to your peers that help you keep on top of this? Um, definitely techniques, right? And it's really about your mindset. Uh, tools are very important and it can help you, but if you don't have a technique, it, it typically doesn't go well. So the technique we do is we always take a step back and if we take patching for an example, which everyone does, everyone has to patch and you don't, and because you know that you always have to patch, at least once a month, understand that you should develop your program to be, give you very high confidence that you are doing it every month and that it does, isn't taking an army to do it. Uh, because you'll always be behind on other security things if you can't address the things that you know you always have to do. So, so automating the patch management is important and uh, being able to roll back if there was an issue with a patch and changing configuration management, all part of your vulnerability management program. What about things like multi-factor authentication and privileged access and encryption? Are those important too? Oh, those are very important. I mean, it's asked for from pretty much every single framework, including cyber insurance. And the important thing is that they're not asking you whether you have the tool. They're asking you how to use the tool is it fully covered? Where, where in your environment isn't there MFA? So it's almost table sticks to have MFA. It's much harder to say it's everywhere. So, so they're getting deeper into their questions and it will affect your uh, insurance premiums or your ability to be compliant. Now, are these government regulators or these employees of government agencies uh, that, you, that you've partnered with or that are your clients asking these questions? So our clients are asking these questions as well as um, our insurance providers, as well as uh, Cyber Essentials. Let's talk about cyber insurance for a minute. I hear it's evolving and the insurers are getting smarter, probably because they paid out a lot of claims and you know they're worried with exclusions on ransomware. You know, uh, holding something hostage, right? Do you have hostage insurance if they're holding a hard drive hostage? 
Uh, I'm curious what's going on from your perspective in cyber insurance and if you're happy with where the insurers are going or you're finding them getting a little too onerous and like what's the state of cyber insurance today? Well, cyber insurance is, uh, from what I've been told, it's uh, they have enough data now. There's been enough breaches that they know where their break-even point is. And they've realized that the premiums that they've been charging folks is way lower than, the, and they, they end up paying more. So it's been a losing business. So with this data, they're building up, you know, their actuaries are building up smarter algorithms, which in our negotiations, the best case scenario is 100% increase if you hit all of their check marks, which is MFA everywhere, which is uh, having a privileged access management solution, which is having control over your service accounts. So, um, so they're, and they're also not taking, oh, we have it on our roadmap going to be deployed six months from now. It's very black and white. It's either you have it fully deployed or you don't. And that will all affect your premium. So, you know, I've heard of other companies seeing a 300% increase in their premiums. And again, that's because the, the insurance companies realize it's, uh, cyber insurance is a losing bet for them based on their current models. So these increases in premiums this year and into the future, these are pretty high numbers to go up 100 to 300%. And I'm wondering, are they doing it, you know, whether or not you've been breached or it's just they, they're just trying to transfer risk onto you, even if you're doing a great job? You know, insurance is one of those things, just like auto insurance, right? If you're if you're good, your premiums will go down because you're riskier. But in the company world, there isn't that many, right? There aren't billions of people with insurance. There's a few tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people of companies that pay for this insurance. So it doesn't uh, it doesn't offset. So you know, your your window is 100% to up to you know wh whatever it is. So everyone's going to see an increase in their premiums. The wiggle room is how much of an increase you can see. And so to, to keep the numbers down, you're performing as many best practices as you can uh, daily and of course ahead of them. So you can't say, well, this requires a deployment and it's six months out, they're not gonna give you the premium at the right price. So uh, they, they're actually getting more intelligent about the cybersecurity hygiene of the companies they're investing their insurance into. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, it, they're, they're not, you know, it's, it's very concrete. And it, I, I, again, I think it's a very good thing, right? Um, we all do the best we can, but now we have to convey to others, uh, you know, the board of directors, the CEO, uh, why we have to complete our work and not kind of just say, oh, let's, that's out of scope. Uh, everything is in scope when you're doing something so fundamental as MFA or privileged account management. And Tan, the, um, the post-COVID work-from-home dilemma, it's not going away. I mean, the new normal is still 53% and growing uh, on average working from home. Have, has Constellus faced this challenge? You know, on one hand, it makes people sometimes more productive working from home and less travel time, and it's a more flexible, but also, you know, the hygiene of their home computers and their home networks. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any shift in that with your company? We have. Uh, we were primarily remote. My security team was built remote. So we have no one in the office. We have people all over the U.S. Um, so so we didn't face that problem, but other groups that so like accounting, HR, they, they were typically in the office. Now we have a policy of uh, two to three times a week as needed. 
Um, but again, the, our security program was built not on people's location, but the assets. So we still have control over that, even when COVID hit, uh, because you know, when someone when a laptop is not on your network, you still need to protect it, and you need to know what's happening on it. And we've invested in technology to allow us to do that, and also our business, right? Most of our folks are deployed at customer sites or in different countries around the world. So we've always been remote. The back office was really what uh, was impacted by this work from home. And we've adapted to that. Are you noticing more attacks on mobile devices, uh, you know, phones and, and, and uh, laptops and other gear because people are traveling and people are remote? Uh, we are, and a lot of it is coming from like adware, um, with with things people are installing on their phones um so so definitely an uptick in that but i have i haven't really seen it significant to say this is where i need to focus all my attention it's still it's still for us it's still on the the data center our main um uh, public entry points is really where they're attacking and where most of our alerts are coming from and VPNs aren't enough anymore, uh, and old-fashioned endpoint security, I assume, is not enough anymore? Yeah, definitely not, especially with remote work, right? You can't have a choke point just because uh, if, you if you didn't design for 80, 90, 100% of your organization to connect to your VPN and then out to the internet, you're, it's going to create a bottleneck, right? So you know, a lot of companies during COVID had to do split tunneling to alleviate their internet circuits. So, so that's important to be able to protect them when they're off network as well. Um, and, and again, the, the anti, it's not antivirus anymore, I don't think. I think everyone's kind of, or people in our profession have kind of said it's EDR now. You need to be able to detect and respond. Um, so it's just not the simple signatures that uh, you're relying on as a protection mechanism. That makes a lot of sense in the isolation of high-risk assets and stopping ransomware. It's a lot more than the traditional AV. It seems like the cyber criminals and cyber terrorists and cyber attacking nation states are really well-armed. It's almost like we're in the middle of a silent cyber war and you just don't hear it on the news every day. It is. I mean, um, for, you know, for the, for, I think for everyone, for the hackers, it's great if they're not in the news because everyone's going to kind of lower their guards, right? For companies, it's great to not be in the news because you won't potentially lose customers. So it's really a silent battle going on. And it's really only the really big ones that already happened that you will hear on the news. So it's it's not like any of us, the good guys or the bad guys, want to be in the news. And that's interesting because usually as a chief information security officer rolling up reports to the board, you're not saying to them, hey, I just stopped a $10 million breach yesterday or the risk of our defacement of our website and our reputation on Friday and this and that. You just do your job and you quietly uh, keep the lights on. But it, it, you really are not a cost center. You are a profit center because you're, you are keeping lights on, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, and you have to, it, it depends on your business, how you inject yourself as that, as that uh, profit center or business enabling center. Um, for us, it's easy because we're so regulated that if we aren't compliant, we aren't in business. Um, other companies that maybe aren't in the federal space, um, there's other creative ways to do it as well. 
Are there job openings at Constellus right now in your department? We are hiring within IT in general, and uh, the, the company itself hires all the time uh, um, for the new business lines of business and contracts we get to sign. So if you check our websites, there's at least a few hundred on there. That's great. A couple hundred job openings. Well, yeah. in this economy, there's so many people who are looking for a better place to work, a great environment. Uh, Constellus looks amazing to me, and uh, I would recommend our viewers and listeners check out your website. Is there anything, Tan, that we didn't cover that you'd like to share with them? No, I, I think just keep going, right? And really understand developing programs versus being reactionary is really the key to be successful. You know, we always talk about how uh, the, the bad guys are well equipped. We, we will never scale to that because there's a budget that everyone uh, is limited by. So when you are doing something, think about the full management cycle and how much effort is involved. Um, and like I said, we've done that. We, not that we're not busy, but we're not overwhelmed. Um, I think that's, so that's the key to really think about how are you gonna manage whatever that sh new shiny toy you purchased is and how that stacks against what you already have. Tan, that's great advice for our viewers and listeners. And I always like to say measure twice, cut once, yeah. practice your playbooks, get everything in order, be organized, have a policy or policies for all different aspects, especially for regulatory compliance. And there are some great free tools out there. People can look at the ISO standard, uh, the CMMC, you know, NIST has got great, everybody, there's so much free stuff to help you get organized and yeah. to comply, to get it one step ahead of the next threat, if you put those policies in place. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the amount of resources available, um, it, it's just a, a astounding how much is out there. I, I just think, don't mix up frameworks if you don't have to. Don't try to mix NIST and ISO, the GDPR with you know anything else. Pick one, get good at it. If it doesn't work for you, yeah, then change, but pick one and get good at it. Great advice for our viewers and listeners. Tan, thank you so much for coming to the hot seat today. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Malewski. <laughs> <laughs>